0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SIRS Group Podcast. I am Barbara. And I'm JC. And today, we are covering bad advice. We've seen a lot of stuff going around. Lots of uh, misinformation, disinformation. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> fake, fake, fake SIRS news. news. <laughs> so we just want to... um set the record straight, but also um, maybe be a lightning rod for, I'm sure, wonderful comments from people who will tell us why we're wrong. And that's fine, too. Uh, But we we are here to kind of go into why that advice is bad. We sometimes get into these conversations over on Instagram as well when people show up and say, I took charcoal uh, and I'm great. But, uh, you know, we don't really have time to go into arguments one-on-one like that, but this uh, whole episode can be our response to people of that nature, I would say.
1: Yeah. And just to set some context, this is bad advice in terms of what we've seen, like set people back in the protocol or in their own healing process. So our whole thing with SERS is like, how can we get to, from point A to point B as quickly And um, inexpensively as possible, but at the same time, like our goal is root cause healing. It's not to send people down these rabbit holes that are might give them symptom relief, but not necessarily help them achieve root, root cause healing. That said, we're not medical professionals. We are SIRS patients. We run a SIRS community, and we've read the SIRS textbook, but none of this should be taken as medical advice. So always ask your Shoemaker certified provider if any of these recommendations may or may not be right
0: for you. Beautifully said. I was just thinking for Halloween, maybe we should dress up as doctors and really just confuse people. Now that
1: would be fake news.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, half the YouTube doctor population are fake doctors, right? So we would just fit right in.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: okay. Barbara anyway. is
1: spicy today,
0: uh, apparently. All right. Yeah, let's let's get into it. My favorite, my favorite one, and I think the first one on our list is those good old urine tests. They have a real name, though, don't they?
1: Yeah, they're the mycotoxin urine analysis tests, and people are always like. I got a high score or I got a low score. And I'm like, doesn't freaking matter because you could eat, I think it's Dr. Dorninger who always says it, like it shows you if you ate a moldy blueberry. <laughs> like it doesn't show you if you have mold illness or biotoxin illness or SIRS. And the reason behind that is with SIRS, the whole thing is, you know, chronic inflammatory response syndrome happens when someone who's genetically predisposed to being really bad at eliminating a biotoxin and they encounter that biotoxin. So we're really bad at eliminating it, meaning it's not coming out in your urine, guys. Yep.
0: Yeah. And maybe there's like some stuff that is coming out in your urine, but like that is like probably just food related, right? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, And maybe for people who don't genetically have SIRS, they can actually pee out the mold. Maybe.
1: I'm still not sure it's indicative of like what the actual experience is within their bodies or if that's like a temporary exposure or like you said, a food related exposure. Um, I'm just not sure that it's telling you information that can actually inform your treatment. Just from what I've seen, like the research I've seen, I'm just not sure about the validity of that test. So for me, it's like, yeah, it's kind of cool to have more information, but that for service patients, especially when like every dollar counts, I don't know that I would spend my dollars on that.
0: Right. And that's where, and I've even had some conversations in the DMS with people who have asked like, Oh, I got that test, the urine test done. And it showed this and, you know, but I, I, and then I do, I do these binders and I'm, I'm like feeling better, but I'm not sure. I always ask them, well, what's your, what are your blood markers look like? And, um, nine times out of 10, they haven't had them tested. And to me, it's like, you want to see what the inflammation is that's going on in your body from a blood marker perspective to confirm, you know, your symptoms, symptoms are also like top notch to go by, but um, but you you want to get your blood markers tested. And why not? if you're already spending money on the urine test, why not also do the blood test? Like, like, why not? I, I get that there can be pricey, but insurance often covers them if a doctor orders them. And I think it's worth taking a look at.
1: Yeah. And kind of to that point, you were saying that the blood markers show the inflammation going on in the body. And this is my pet peeve <laughs> with SIRS. Everyone buckle up. I'm about to go off. Um, So they're there is a lot of uh, rhetoric or like labeling of what we experience as mold illness or biotoxin illness. And I I very much dislike when people call it mold illness or biotoxin illness because what we're experiencing is not a direct effect of the biotoxin. It is our body's inappropriate response to it. So before I labeled SIRS as our body's inability to remove the biotoxin. So what happens is the biotoxin enters the body Body recognizes that it's a biotoxin, but it doesn't create the antibodies to remove that biotoxin. So the innate immune system just keeps creating more and more inflammation in your body. That is why it's chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So I understand why people label it mold illness or biotoxin illness or create websites like biotoxin.com. It's because it's like keywords people are searching for. So I think it's relevant in the space in the terms of you want people to be able to find. However, I think it's misleading to the patient because it makes them think, like, oh, if I just get rid of the biotoxin, I'll be fine. But you still have all of the work you need to do to correct the inflammatory response. And um, one of our providers said to us once anything you can do to reduce inflammation is treating chronic inflammatory response syndrome. It's not going to treat the root cause in the way that getting rid of the biotoxin will. But I think it puts into context what you should be focused on throughout your treatment.
0: Perfectly said, beautiful beautiful rant as always. And I love it. And that's what I'm here for. Um, And this basically goes back to the urine tests are testing for mold specifically, which is not the actual problem to your point. The blood work will be testing your body's reaction to it. And that is actually where your illness, where you feeling shitty comes from is in your blood markers and that's why those markers are so important to test
1: in the words of t swift it's me hi i'm the problem it's me it's my body's immune response
0: perfect um you and you are not a problem you are enough jc oh, and thank everyone you. listening
1: <laughs> but if my immune system could get on board that'd be great yeah right right
0: um, yeah, no. And that, that was a, uh, one of our members had that great quote. Um, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And that applies here as well. So it's, you, you did nothing wrong, but you got something to fix. So yeah. anyway.
1: And uh, the next point I think makes sense here is talking about binders. So the binders help us remove the biotoxin and the binders that they prescribe. This is why, like, this is one of the things that made me believe in SERS was like they accidentally found the medications that would help us. It wasn't someone who was like, here's the most profitable medication that I can create. That's going to help this subset of the population. What happened was Shoemaker was seeing these patients that had all these crazy symptoms in addition to secretory diarrhea, which is like the grossest description of diarrhea. I think that exists. (laughs) But he prescribed them this old school, um, it's basically an old school cholesterol med called cholesterolamine, alternative as well call, but it has a side effect of constipating people. But in addition to helping them with their secretory diarrhea, it also helped relieve the additional surge symptoms. And they accidentally found this medication that would help. And the reason these binders are different than the binders that are typically prescribed to help people detox, like charcoal and clay is that they're actually a different charge. So they are the opposing charge to the biotoxins. So they can actually grab onto them. And then they have the correct receptor site size so that they can actually help you eliminate the
0: biotoxins. Yes. And cholestyramine has four times the number of those receptor sites than well call, which is why cholestyramine is more effective. Um, But that's also why well call can be gentler. But that's not always the case. Sometimes patients uh, do better on cholestyramine than they did on call. So everyone, a reminder that everyone is bioindividual, but but biotoxins are kind of not. And that's why the medication and the binders that you choose matter. So the testing and the binders, we got all that. The other and arguably the most important step for some people on the Shoemaker Protocol is removing themselves from exposure oh every time we bring it up I do a big sigh I mean I sigh a lot anyway when I'm irritated but uh, and maybe some of you know this already but uh, with exposure and with removing yourself from it can often be a big project in and of itself it could mean remediating your home it could be cleaning your home and by cleaning I mean really cleaning like a lot, a lot of like vacuuming the walls, wiping them down kind of cleaning. Like if you um, were Dexter and
1: yes. you were disguised serial, for anyone who doesn't know, like a serial killer, like that level of cleaning. You don't want to leave your DNA behind level of cleaning.
0: Yes, exactly. Some people, especially people suffering with SERS who are dealing with chronic fatigue and exhaustion and... All of that stuff. Do not like the idea of remediation and cleaning to that level is just really overwhelming, and so a big question that we end up getting at, usually at least once or twice every time we have a group call within the SIRS group, somebody's asking, "Do I really have to?" Insert some portion of the cleaning maybe not the whole thing they're saying yeah yeah yeah, i'll clean i'll clean or oh sure i'll have an inspector come out or i'll do the the army test or the hurts me test or whatever um but they're like ah but do i need to like replace my couch do i need to pull up my carpet do i need to wipe down my books yeah you kind of do Like, and it sucks and, and, but maybe you don't, there's a maybe, Um, you know, if they, if it's a brand new item and it hasn't been uh, an exposure and you just moved to a new place, like there's a lot of ifs going on there, but when you get down to it, if you are living in the home that you've lived in for a long time and you have been sick in that home, or if you are going to work the same place that you've been going to work and you've been sick. There's probably something going on there that's not safe for you. And unfortunately, the items that are in the unsafe space are also probably going to be unsafe unless you are able to clean them. And so the cleaning is very important. It would be a shame to do so much work, take the binders, see the doctors, all of that costs money, all of that takes time to then still be held back because you have a really moldy rug. For example, um, so think about those things. Everyone's personal risk assessment is going to be different. Talk to your practitioner about it. Hire a wonderful IEP. Um, you know, and some of them do virtual meetings. So even if they're not in your area, you can at least have them take it, take a look at pictures and and review things with you and give you a plan. But talk to professionals and try to do it as right as you can the first time. I don't think there's a whole lot of benefit in cutting corners. Um, I think I did not take the cleaning super seriously this whole time and guess what? My healing stalled and guess what? My genie results show that I am reactive specifically to endotoxins, which guess what? The way to get rid of endotoxins is to clean. So all of that said, you know, learn from my mistakes and and learn from others as well to do do things as right as as much the right way as you possibly can.
1: Yeah. And just to Barbara's point, like it's going to be very situational in terms of what you can and cannot get away with. I think personally I lean on the side of not keeping or more thoroughly cleaning everything. Um so to put that into context, I left everything behind in Florida, except for what I had brought in a carry-on suitcase when I moved to Colorado. And yes, it very much sucks to not have all my stuff, but it's just such peace of mind to know that I'm not recontaminating myself and my space. To put this into context, actinos are bacteria and they replicate at, you know, bacterial rates. So even if you do the cleaning and you have like a moldy couch and especially with something that big and porous, if you can imagine all of the Actinos living inside there, how quickly can they recontaminate your entire space? It's probably pretty fast. Um, but for myself, I just realized that there were like one or two things that I really wanted from my stuff back in Florida. One was paperwork, like my social security card. Birth certificate, like I was like, okay, that's probably worth it. And then the second thing was this hand crocheted baby blanket that my great aunt had made for me, and I have like had with me my entire life. And yes, that's a soft good. It's porous. It probably has actinos, but it's also something that can fit inside of a washing machine, so I can clean it. Um, So everything is going to be an individual choice of, is this worth the cleaning? Is it worth it to you? Another example we use a lot is like for small particle cleaning books, you have to vacuum each page of the book with a HEPA vacuum. Like that is the standard for small particle cleaning a book. Would I do that with, you know, the most recent copy of Atomic Habits that someone has given me? Probably not. Would I do that with my first edition Winnie the Pooh book? Absolutely, yes.
0: Poor James Clear.
1: I have like three (laughs) copies of that book. I've still not read it.
0: (laughs) There's great YouTube summaries of that book. No No one needs to read that book.
1: But that's why I haven't read it. Is like I feel like I have all the knowledge because it's so pervasive, especially in the spaces we're involved in. Like I yeah. already know what's going to be in the book. There's no plot
0: twist for me to be excited by. I, I haven't read it either. And I give advice from that book all the time. <laughs> Sorry, James Clear. People yeah.
1: have given me that book three times. So I feel like we're still paying him for this information, but yeah. I don't know if I'll ever read it.
0: Oh man. Yep. That's okay. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So, so, but to your point, think about your, the items that you own. Um, minimalism is a great thing. There, there are a couple great documentaries on Netflix about minimalism. That's actually how I got into that movement. Not that you could tell by my bookcase, but, uh, I, I think that there is a great piece in, uh, that you can achieve with having less things and and seeing less and dealing with less and cleaning less. Um, so it's something to consider, certainly, especially if you have SIRS, it really comes into play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have, my background is blurred, but I have this fake plant behind me and I got it before we had really realized like the extent of Actino's cleaning. And like, now I'm like, I have to wipe down every single leaf no, thank you. It's definitely something to be aware of as you move forward and make purchasing decisions moving forward.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is like take this, take a lot of what we're saying is like, okay, how can I do a little bit better tomorrow? How can I do a little bit better next time I'm choosing a piece of furniture to bring into my home or or whatever the case is? Um, and that's just something go forward with that knowledge and then what you know, do what you can with your current. Uh, situation as well, um, but my point is also you know just don't don't think you can totally skip some pretty important steps like cleaning. Cleaning is is going to be really important for most people that suffer with SIRS. Most people, a solid majority, are actually reacting to either actinos or endotoxins. And the good news is, is you can clean for those rather than busting out walls and all of that. If So if you don't have water damage and you don't have mold, but you do have a problem, cleaning is a really good way to go. And uh, you want less stuff to clean. So that cleaning job is a little bit easier. Absolutely. And I guess finally, um, just a, a, to kind of go uh, to bookend what you said earlier about, you know, we are not medical professionals. Even the medical professionals in this on this scene are, are learning, and that's a good thing. They are learning every day. Dr. Shoemaker, though he is retired from actually working with patients, he is researching every day, and um, the doctors that do deal with SIRS are researching actively every day. You kind of want doctors that are doing that, that are realizing what they knew yesterday is not quite accurate, and what they learn tomorrow is going to help a lot of people, Most conventional doctors are not doing that at all and haven't done any of that since they graduated medical school 20 years ago. So keep that in mind with a lot of the stuff that we say, at some point, JC and I will do a, uh, an episode of bad advice that we used to give <laughs> because we will have had a library of stuff where we've said, oh, this is what, it, this is true. And then we discover later that, oh, maybe that wasn't quite so true. Maybe there's a little nuance there. Um, so just keep that in mind and- Barbara, and we don't
1: say that, we say in our
0: experience
1: or what we've seen from our community.
0: Yes. Well, we've is, been
1: told by providers.
0: <laughs> that's true. So I blame all of them. We yeah. are blameless. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's I just, just another thing to, to keep in mind that that this is a new, relatively new illness. I mean, maybe it's not a new illness, but we newly know discovered. About, newly discovered is the yeah. correct term. And so uh, this is we are on the cutting edge of medical nest. And uh, and so, um, yeah, we're all just doing the best we can, including our doctors and uh, always keep touching base with them. And that's why having a certified practitioner is so important, because, you know, they are deep in the literature, really connecting with the research they have private chat room message boards that they all like share information on I mean it's cool it's really cool that that community exists for the physicians which of course all of us as patients are benefiting from so yeah good stuff so if you
1: are looking for more resources and support on your search journey if you want to hear what we've most recently heard about best practices and uh you know just know doing better when we know better Is that it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most up-to-date information in our brains. You can join us over at thesirsgroup.com. See you there.